Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and we are wrapping up a week that's had some interesting bumps in the road, shall we say. But nice, except for the soybeans, to see some some nice green on the screen for our commodities, both from a grain and a livestock perspective. Lots that we're going to take a look at today, including still the talk with the feds and the rates, but we're starting to get that end-of-year feels with a quiet trade. And that is where we're going to kick it all off today, as Darren Fessler joins us. Darren, courses with lakefront futures so let's talk about this quiet trade that we saw kind of nice to have some quietness on a friday yeah it's uh we're getting to that uh end of the year type of trade and uh, we, we continue to be very neutral on corn here and and really leading probably all the way up until the january report now um obviously the the u.s picked the can down the road here um in the December report, typically don't move too much here. The question that, that, that we have for the market, though, is what if the USDA doesn't move the needle? Um, do we look towards the, the end of March planning intentions for the next catalyst? And then, obviously, how does Brazil finish out this bean crop? Uh, we obviously know that Brazil at this moment, especially the Mato Grosso, is having some issues I think just how big the state is, we're, we're trying to understand how big these issues are. Um, there is some privates that uh, that continue to reduce bean production estimates there. Um, there is some replanting that's happening, which could be positive for corn because that really pushes off that safrina corn crop. The question now is, do they plant corn or do they you know, end up planting cotton instead? So... A lot of things to move the markets is just it, what will do it. And for the time being, I think, you know, at least the next couple of weeks, it looks like it's a pretty pretty slow trade as we end 23. So having said that, what is your thoughts for these next couple of weeks? Because it's literally two weeks from today and we are done marketing for 23. Yeah, I mean, the way we're positioned, and we're positioned, uh, you know, very, very neutral-wise, um, we're we're already aggressively sold on 23, 24 crop. We're 90% as a firm um, is our rec here. We're 75% sold on beans. And, and we are looking for some type of strategies for ownership, whether that be bullish, bearish, or neutral. We have some neutral strategies working at the moment that continue to work out beautifully in, in this environment. Um, but you really, it, it's, I, I think the big focus for the, let's, you know, with the core anyway, it's the, the weak demand. And can we get beans to have the story? I mean, we certainly have a story in Brazil, but it's not moving the needle yet. Uh, maybe we're still waiting for more data. I think that's kind of where I'm leaning towards, you know, let, let's see how the next couple, three weeks play out here in Brazil, then we'll make a determinate uh, where we go higher or lower from here. But, you know, to say that Brazil is 152 to 155 right now, we're probably fairly valued, to be honest with you. When we look at the, the, the March, April, May timeframe, the C- CFR into China, we're at a significant disadvantage to Brazilian origin. So if Brazil does have a crop, do these sales that we see from the Chinese and unknowns right now, do they actually end up being exports or do they end up being cancellations at the end of the day? So, um, but going back to the corn, it's if beans don't have that story, we've got to look towards wheat. Um, wheat, you know, if we look at the major exporting countries around the world, their stocks use ratios are the lowest since they've been since 2007. So any major type of hiccups from any major producer, wheat would have a story. Now, the funds are 
pretty short wheat here. Do they cover? If they cover, uh, you know, I think that's positive for corn. The issue for corn is it doesn't really have that story without somebody else supporting it right now. And then we're going into 2024 planning intentions. You know, we're probably going to be upwards of 90, 90 and a half, 91 million acres on corn and the USDA is going to start high and, and we know that there's going to be a lot of disagreements where the USDA starts now where we, whether we end up there or not is the only time will tell but we got to plan for the worst uh, and plan you know obviously hope for the best you know type of thing so um, when we're looking at balance sheets the stock use ratio is still a concern for us um, and if you get a carry out that's anywhere near 2.3 2.4 billion um, these summer rallies into next year just trying to think out you know longer term here they're probably meant for selling opportunities and probably aggressive if you get north of uh, 560 on that d24 so Let's look at exports for for a few minutes here before we wrap up. What happened to China? I mean, I know all they've been such a focus on South America, but without them in this constant market trade, it's got to cause for some concerns. Yeah, I mean, what the Chinese economy and, and what their officials are trying to do is they're, they're trying to stimulate that economy. We've seen record amounts of stimulus over the last 13 months in China, and it really hasn't revived their markets, their stock markets, hasn't really revived their economy. You see glimpses of good data, and then obviously then the next month you'll see bad data. So you're not getting that consistency. Um, again, we the U.S. has our own issues, but our data has been somewhat more consistent than theirs. Their stock markets are making lows. It's, it's kind of like I made a, a the analogy, it's, it's kind of like you're trying to go buy a, a nice Cadillac, but you make $20,000. I mean, you got your partners and who you're doing business with has to be strong financially. And that's kind of where the Chinese are right now. I, I think there's a lot of issues within the financial sector of China that just makes them a little bit wishy-washy at the moment. All right. Well, quickly, as we uh, look at other factors in this trade, um, export opportunities, is there some more for other countries to happen down the road? I certainly hope so, because we can't rely on Mexico being over 50% of our export business in corn. All right, we'll stick around. We've got more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Channel Final Bell on this Friday afternoon, including where um, is happening with the feds and the rates. What does this mean? And, of course, it's going to have some lingering over as well into our livestock side as we're hearing more bread cow purchases taking place at some higher numbers. A lot more is coming up on this Friday. It is the Channel Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids and the other regional brands along with Channel Seed are merging in 2025 and we're ready to up your seed game. Here's Channel Seed professional Dustin O'Hanlon from Lexington. I'm extremely excited about this to see the focus of taking all 11 brands and moving into one and combining the knowledge that we've got into one brand and bringing every bit of that together so we can have one focus, which is taking care of our growers. For more, contact your local Channel Seed professional. Welcome back once again to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network as we continue the conversation with Darren Fessler. Darren, of course, is with Lakefront Futures. So let's talk about the feds. I mean, they had a conversation that took place Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. How do you see that factoring in to what we're seeing? Oh, I, I think it could be a, a really big thing if the Fed mismanages it. I know there's a lot of folks out there that say, well, the Fed has gone too far too quickly. 
and maybe they're right on that. Um, but where I look at it from a more of a historical point, um, you know, if we look back to the 80s, um, if we cut these rates too soon, uh, I, I definitely think we run the risk of inflation coming back in a big way. I, I do think there is a lot of pent-up demand. And, and when I look at the real estate side of things and how this all relates to the act side, is when you have this pent-up demand and you have like for houses, if rates start coming down, there's going to be a housing um, issue where the, these homes will get a lot more expensive. <clears throat> and so I just don't see a huge correction in land values either with unless you get a lot lower uh, commodity prices and but where's where it gets more interesting is you know the equity market the stock market is pricing in 100 basis point cuts next year and what we've seen historically is when when they cut it's more or less a sign of a recession equity start to pull back but when those rates start coming lower corn beans we typically start moving higher into more of a bullish so it's almost like money comes out of the equities into commodities and given that we do have uh, an inflationary environment anybody that just goes to the grocery store can plainly see this regardless of what the headline numbers say the inflation's still very real very sticky and we don't believe that that's going away anytime soon but we gotta be very mindful of if this Fed raises too quickly, the pent-up demand and how much stimulus is still out in the economy, it still could come back and uh, roaring back in a big way for commodities. The question is, okay, if we have supply that is burdensome to demand, um, that really kind of keep a lid on things. I don't think we're going back to 2020, uh, you know, supply shock system by any means. But if we have good production in the Farina corn crop uh, this next year, let's say the U.S. has another good crop, where does that stocks use ratio get, get us? Where does that demand, if China remains weak, where does that get us? It just goes back to our original thesis. If we get these rallies right now of anywhere from 30 to 50 cents in corn, it's meant for selling. 50 to 70 in beans, it's probably meant for selling until we get some other type of either technical momentum shifts to the more bullish camp or Chinese demand comes back in a big way. Or and the biggest one, do we have some supply issues uh, around the world that would really dwindle these supplies down in a big way. So that's what we're currently looking at. Uh, but again, very, very neutral here in the nearby. All right, so we'll switch gears and look at the way these cattle are trading. We started to see some bred cows um, going to market and obviously meaning they're headed out to somebody else's operation at higher prices. Folks are talking, of course, interest rates. But as one cattle guy said, it's nice to see these cows coming back home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the type, the type of sell-off that we've had here, it's not too too shocking. I wouldn't think to anybody here to see a little bit of pop back in this market here. But at the end of the day here, I, I definitely, um, you, you got to follow this trend lower here. I think that we've, we've spooked a lot of the funds to get short this market. But you look at the bread heifer type prices, really performing pretty well here. Cash side still relatively holding up there. And so you look at the longer term in cattle here, I'm still not 100% convinced 
that we have the supply, especially in the back half of 24. I think things should get pretty Western uh, July on of 24, where you, you, you better be very cautious being overly aggressively short this market. And the only reason I think you would want to be is if there's some big economic macro um, issue involved here. But I think it comes down to the sheer numbers in the back half of 24 that would be pretty favorable for cattle prices in general. What, what's your kind of overall feel for this livestock as we hit these last two weeks of trading and get ready for a new year? Well, I've, I've questioned this ever since the rally has, has begun or the, the sell-off has begun here. It's, it, is cattle, uh, is, a, is it a precursor to what the U.S. economy may experience? Is the sell-off in crude oil a precursor to what the U.S. economy does? Um, I think so. It could be in a, in a little way. But I think you've had a lot of macro things that have pushed cattle lower, internally pushed cattle lower. But we're getting to a point now where uh, we're not willing to take our hedges off, even though they're well into the money here. We still want to be hedged as an environment, um, even though we're not that bearish cattle anymore here it's just the unknowns about the economy and and we're not 100 percent you know uh, set in stone that the you know the fed's going to cut what the wall street believes they're going to cut next year we, we we believe the rates are going to stay higher for longer and and, and monetary policy is it's not going to veer off the course of where it is currently um anytime over the next probably six months all right best way for folks to get a hold of you they can reach me directly at 312-858-3668, or they can always find me on Twitter or X at DDF Alpha. All right, that is today's Channel Final Bell, and it's brought to you by the Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional. That's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.